buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I am fired up for today's guest. I've got Bobby Dysart on. Um, longtime friend coming on the pod today. He's got some interesting things going on that we're going to talk about. He's got a very successful story, which we're going to dig into an interesting path. Uh, he helps startup founders, sales leaders, and software sales professionals lives the live the lives that they want. He's a podcaster. He's an author and a very good friend. Bobby, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Colin, I'm great. It's, uh, it's wonderful to finally get on here. I think I've been just like <laughs> bumping elbows to try and get in here, but uh, thanks for making some room for me. Yeah, man, there's always room for you, and who knows, we'll probably have you back again, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I want to kind of go back. Where did your where did your sales journey start? Or even if you want to take us back a little further than that, to just give us a little context. I mean, when I think of my sales journey, there's nothing more that comes to mind than my first day. In Los Angeles, after a week of training, I went out to Sun Valley. Uh, mm. Do you know where Sun Valley is, Colin? Somewhere in the valley, about 20 degrees hotter than what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was it was July, I believe. So yeah, it was, it was almost 100 degrees. It's just north of Burbank and Glendale. Yeah. Um, very industrial neighborhood. And I cold called 97 doors Ooh. in a suit. And I thought I was on top of the world because I set three appointments. <laughs> so, so that's where my journey begins uh, with sales. Uh, at that time, I just moved from Ohio and um, the first job I could get uh, during the recession that nobody told me I was in um, was selling communications packages uh, for, for, and there were B2B communications packages and, and we went door to door. Wow. So it was a little bit warmer than Ohio. <laughs> yeah. It's like a hundred degrees. <laughs> You're knocking on doors probably sweating a little bit, probably loving life. <laughs> I mean, bro, I really did. And, you know, we, we were taught to, to cold call 50. I think that just shows like, you know, going go the extra mile 97 just, just sort of shows like from the beginning, I was locked into like uh, the idea that you just get out of sales, what you put into it. You couldn't just do three more. You couldn't have no, just knock three more doors. Your story would be so much more interesting. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it, you would think that, but like it took so much to get to that 97. Like I think I was out there till like six o'clock and I still had to go back to the office to share what I'd done with my manager. Uh, and that meant getting on the five and running into a bunch of tra yeah. traffic. 
No, I didn't get back till 7.30 or 8. And You had to get you know, back and get those attaboys, man. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And, 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 you know, it's funny. It sounds like really hard, and, and it was, but um, I ended up staying at that job for four and a half years um, because uh, I was just super grateful for the leadership that I was surrounded by. I ended mm-hmm. up um, advancing really quickly. By age 27, I was running a sales office of 30 um, where everybody else was in their early 20s and I was way in over my head, but just having a blast and making good money. And it was a great way to start out my sales career. Wow. Wow. Okay. And I always have so much respect. I've never, I've never been a door knocker. I've never cold called via doors. And, uh, I would kind of wish it was part of my story. Sometimes I know I've said this before, but it's like, man, if you can survive knocking on doors and do a 97 in a day, and do it for four and a half years, like, what can't you sell? <laughs> That's right. No, I mean, it was, it's, it's really funny to, to just think back to like how quickly, you know, I sound like the old guy now, like just how quickly sales has changed, but it really has, you know, my wife's in sales as well. And her first experience was at my, one of my favorite startups that I worked at called, a company called Blue Jeans. Um, and she was an SDR that had showed up and her first day, you know, she's, she's answering, she's replying to inbound leads from Australia and getting <laughs> on calls with folks from down under to try and yeah. sell them like sort of starter packages. And anything that she brings in is just icing because we weren't, you know, really going after that market at the time. And then, you know, she, she quickly got into an AE route and I was like, what a different experience, you know, and at that point, like there was tons of sales jobs in tons of software uh, and it's just really, really changed. So uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely taught me a lot. I'm glad I started that way, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little jealous of how my wife entered into the sales arena. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. You're like, you got it made. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like those, you know, parents, we used to have to walk in the snow a mile with no shoes knocking on doors, you know, like. <laughs> bro. And, and that is really how it felt, you know? So it's kind of funny to look back. I haven't thought about that in a while. That's a good memory. Yeah. It's funny. I had, I had KD on the, on the podcast. Right. And he's mm-hmm. like, um, one of his first, uh, he hasn't actually been in SAS that long, right. Mm-hmm. Before he was at a uh, snack, a snack company where he sold snacks as a service, right? Snack nation. That's right. Yes. Yeah, and he's like, man, once I got some software, like, forget it. I was selling snacks in a box. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, you know, I mean, it's funny you say that. I remember my, about th- two months in to, uh, blue jeans. A, I'd, I'd blown my quota out of the court, like just blown it out my first quarter. And we had a ton of accelerators and all I really did was like dig into Salesforce and there was just like thousands of leads. And I just sort of sent them a bunch of emails and I called it hurting the cats and yeah. I just made a ton of money. And I was just like, I went back to, uh, to Ohio on Christmas that year. And I was like, is this for real? Like, is this a real job? I just, I just sold these usernames and passwords over email and over video conference and made more money than I did anytime, you know, cold calling all those doors, um, out in the heat. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a different world. So I can understand where, where Katie's coming from. Software is just a whole nother bag. Yeah. So what was, tell me a little bit like, okay, so after knocking on doors, you know, spending some time there, leading a team, what were you doing at Blue Jeans? What role did you have there? 
Well, I started as an individual contributor and it was because I was coming off of a year and a half hiatus where I tried my own startup. Um, and so mm -hmm. I tried my hands at, uh, at entrepreneurship, opened up a web company, got some funding um, alongside a, a really good friend and, and, and a, uh, a gifted programmer. And when I showed up to Blue Jeans, I was just out of money, man. I, I was in debt and um, had spent, spent most of the money I got from my four and a half years um, at, at that previous company. And so I just came in and not only did I need money, I just wanted a break from trying to think of all the things that you have to do as, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the list is long and, it, it, you know, there's really no way to figure it out except figuring it out and going through. Mm -hmm. And so when I showed up to Blue Jeans, I was just like, man, just give me a territory. Uh, it happened to be Southern California uh, and let me go to work. And, um, and yeah, so we were, I was selling to companies of, I think between, let's say, let's say 700 and 2,500 employees. It was kind of like a mid-market role. Yeah. Okay. And so that was probably a little bit humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like after leading a team, you know, having the startup thing that didn't necessarily work out, but then also maybe a little bit relieved, right? It was like, just give me something to sell. So I don't have to worry about all this other stuff, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that the humbling piece. I mean, the humbling piece was, was failing at the startup. So, yeah. so, you know, going into blue jeans, I, I was actually licking my wounds a little bit and just be mm -hmm. like, I was starving for leadership too. You know, I, you know, as, as I'm sure, you know, entrepreneurship can be lonely, uh, yeah. particularly if it's not going well, if you're not figuring things out. And I was used to those four and a half years, I was surrounded by, you know, really strong executives. It, you know, it was a bit, it was a big company. It was a uh, publicly traded company and I thrived in that environment. You know, I thrived in an environment where I was surrounded by people, surrounded by energy, surrounded by leadership. And so when I went into blue jeans, I was like, man, just, just give me some more of that. Um, you know, make quick friends with my VP of sales, my VP of channel, um, I even incubated a sort of a, a small training, a training group uh, for all the younger guys because I had gotten a lot of training and, and they didn't have that at that startup that, you know, at Blue Jeans, it was moving so quickly. And so I just, I just sort of grabbed a shovel and started digging and, and was like, this is great. It's just great to be back in, um, in, in, in this kind of environment and trying to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for you to just kind of get back in the saddle and feel like, oh, this is what I was built to do? Not, not long, not long. Um, again, it, it, you know, what was great about coming into that environment was I just had such, um, tools, tactics, and, you know, scar tissue just built into my being at that time that mm. when I went in there, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it's startups and I saw this happen a lot. Um, you know, startups move so fast. They're not, there's, they're sort of process light training light a lot of times. And there, there's a bit of figure it out as you go. Um, I think that's just sort of par for the course of that kind yeah, of role. Pros and cons to that. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And for me though, I was like, I'm just going to do what I always did. Right. Which yeah. I got on the phones a lot. Um, I knew that, you know, I could control my activity above all else. I knew that I didn't know that much about, you know, enterprise video solutions and integrating with, you know, different, um, you know, central control units and all the different things. It, I just knew if I talked to a lot of people, someone who was going to um, take note of my of my personality and, and sort of the, the product I was representing. And and it worked out pretty quick and pretty well. 
Yeah. Okay. And then, so talk to me a little bit about your, your time there at blue jeans, you know, first experience with SAS. Um, what was that like and what roles did you hold while you were there? Yeah. So, um, again, I, I, it it was an education in where the world is going from a, both a sales perspective and a technology perspective. And so I just loved it. I lapped it up. Um, I quickly figured out that the best role I could play is helping companies that want to get the most out of the technology do that. And so I, you know, I found a couple really key buyers actually that, that were partners. Um, they really, really were partners. They were like, Hey, if you could help me figure out how to do this and then I'll, I'll, I'll expand, um, doing that. And, and really early on, I was just lucky enough to partner with a couple of CIOs on some, um, some deals that reached, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue and expanded across thousands of employees. And that started to just give me this vision of like, ah, oh, this is this is really a deployment, sort of a, a, a job of creating value across large companies. And I just, I just repeated that recipe um, for, I'd say my first year and a half. And then I, I, I took on a channel role where I was helping deploy um, our sales methodology and our product across um, big partners like CDW was probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest ones. And that was a whole nother learning curve and a really you know, exciting experience. I was, I was traveling to offices, I was working with other salespeople. I was sort of mm, using my, my, my managerial muscles too, which was really great. <clears throat> mm. um, yeah, and then I, you know, I became sort of a, I, I think I definitely became a, a leader and a, and a mainstay at the organization. I think I was there, man, how long was I there? at least four years. Um, and it was a really great experience. And yeah. Where was the co- Where was the company at like revenue wise when you first started and where was it when you left? There was, I think I remember I was like salesperson 19, maybe uh, the 90th employee, something like that. And when yeah. I left, there was like 600 folks and revenue wise, I think it was like 20 million to 100 million, we'll say. 20 million to 80 million, maybe. Sounds like it's probably a little bit of a wild ride, huh? It was. It was in more ways than one. In more ways than one. Like, um, it went, I saw in short order us going from this small startup that, like, can't, that, that everything we do is really great because it's never been done to, mm. and, and, but nobody knows us and we just have this funny name to, <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are like, really making waves and you are the king of this very small castle called um, ubiquitous you know, virtual video to, mm. oh my gosh, there's this crazy company called Zoom that you had never heard of before that is going to eat your lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever. And it, 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 it happened so fast. So we were like, we were nobody, to we were definitely somebody to we were getting left in the dust in like four years and it was, it was crazy. Wild Not to mention meeting your wife there. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, I got caught up in an interpersonal, in an intercompany relationship that ultimately was the love of my life. And one of the main reasons I live. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, wild ride for sure. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the work that you do with folks today and like how, what sort of led up to that. And then we'll kind of get into like some of the changes that are going on. Yeah. So in 2019, I left my job as a VP of sales uh, on a Friday. And then on Saturday I got married. 
and then two days later, I went to Bora Bora for two weeks with my wife. So I'm sitting, I remember this specifically, I'm out sitting on the back deck of the, you know, we're overlooking the water in, in those um, overwater bungalows. Tracy's yeah. asleep. I'm drinking some wine and it, it was, it was crazy. It was like one, one night I'd be like, man, I'm so lucky. I'm the greatest, this is the greatest thing in the world. And then the next day, the next night I'd be like, holy crap, I can't believe I quit my job. Like, what the heck am I going to do? Mm. But, um, I knew in the back of my head, I wanted to do some consulting that, uh, and I always knew I wanted to get back into entrepreneurship. And I thought con- consulting is like, you know, sort of a, a low barrier to entry to entrepreneurship. It's sort of a smart way to do it. Um, and I had managed to talk my uh, my current employer into bringing me on part time as a consultant, sort of helping me helping me live out this dream of entrepreneurship. So when I got back, I started talking to my referral network um, to just talk to early stage companies that needed stand in sales leadership. Um, there was another thing I think I noticed with the market at that time is um, is companies like up to 50 employees, up to 75 employees, they really have a hard time nailing the VP of sales hire. Most of the time they don't get it right. They hire somebody too big, too expensive, um, maybe even overqualified for that exact stage in time. Mm -hmm. And I think the tenure is like 15 months, something crazy. Um, And so I offered this different solution, said, hey, let me be a Band-Aid. Hire me month to month, a fraction of the cost. Let me install your, your first sales model, your first sales software stack, hire your first salespeople, and let's see how far we can get. If it doesn't work, you can fire me a lot easier uh, (laughs) than than a full-time VP of sales that you invest a lot of time, money, and energy in. And the market responded really well. I picked up four or five clients that had me on retainer uh, very quickly. And um, yeah, it's it's, it's been a great ride. That's really still how, how I make my money today. Obviously, I've got interested in a couple other paths along the way, um, but I'm, I'm super grateful for those initial customers and just just the lifestyle that it's afforded me. Um, it's It's been really great, and uh, I've learned a lot along the way. Sounds like such a super risky business model, though. <laughs> like, fire me whenever you want, right? It, well, uh, well, but if you do good work, you don't get fired. So, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, and there's two reasons for that. Number one, you know, it's funny you say risk, right? Like, again, this is a guy who who quit the day before he got married. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, there's there's something to I think leaping in the net appearing that that I just hold true. Um, it's worked for me forever. You know, I, le- I left for California the day after I graduated Ohio State. I didn't have a job. Um, I landed on my feet again pretty quickly. And you know about the 97 doors. Um, the second thing with regards to risk with my clients is I think it's twofold. One, like I don't have the, the you know, the, the attorney resources to go hunt them down to keep them locked into a contract that they signed. Right. And B, I don't want to. You know, B, yeah. I, I want it to be very, I think there's there's an element of consulting that I think could be presented into the W-2 world and the world of work um, as it's always been, where there's just a transparency of like, either you're doing your job and getting it done and the company is helping you do it that way or not. And it's okay if it's not happening, it's not working out, let's figure something else out. And with consulting, having that month to month setup has really given me that just that clarity and transparency to say, Hey, every month, like either I'm creating that value or I'm not. And I want you to have the sort of flexibility to tell me when I'm not, hopefully give me an opportunity to correct it. 
Um, but I don't want this to be something that, that just doesn't feel good because we signed something that we thought was going to work out better than it does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's like a fresh breath of air for, for your clients, right. For, because a lot of startups are in that sort of phase where, you know, they, those, those first essential hires or that first sales leader or fractional sales leader, or, you know, consultant is, is really key to growth. Like it can either take them to the next level or it could be a bad relationship that really hurdles growth and, you know, doesn't allow them to maybe raise money or, you know, folds the company. Like those, those are like really key decisions based on, you know, how, where the company goes next and, you know, having that flexibility and being able to make that decision, um, and not, you know, maybe overextend themselves or, you know, get into a relationship or hire an actual sales leader. That's, you know, probably more than they could afford. Um, and isn't quite needed yet. Um, can can hurt the company in a big way. Yeah, I mean the stacks are tra- the, the the chips are stacked against entrepreneurs, and I I want to be part of the solution, not part of the extra obstacles um, yeah. that that they're already facing. So I, I truly yeah, believe I think that, you mentioned it right. Yeah. Like the average tenure is super short. It's like I think it's 15, 18 months or something like that yeah. for you know like a VP in a you know earlier you know sort of startup, right? Yeah. And I think it's just matchmaking. It's not really anything on the candidate and anything on the company. It's just a bad match from the beginning where usually how I see it is, is the VP is maybe, you know, a lot of times I see clients hire a big splash VP from like Workday, Salesforce, Cisco, what have you. And they're used to operating at a level that's just way different. You know, they have resources, they have personnel, they have built-in strategies, partnerships, et cetera. Different budgets, (laughs) much larger budgets. Right, right. And then um, conversely, on the company side, they, you know, a little goes a long way. Like, you'd be real surprised, Colin, how far, um, you know, just just installing like a, a, a training program, like just training every, you know, once a week for 30 minutes on a few specific items, how far that goes. Just helping... Um, you know, draft a different set of pricing goes or or just figuring out like where is our time best spent um, in terms of like account focus and prospect focus. Like those, just those getting down in the nitty gritty and doing those little things can really like, when you're talking about, you know, 500,000 in revenue or a million in revenue, like that can lead to doubling that revenue like pretty que- uh, pretty easily or pretty fi- effectively. Oh yeah. And, and, and the biggest challenge is like, you know, hiring some big name VP, somebody who, you know, can excel in a company like that with, you know, where it's maybe going from, you know, 10 to 50, that's not the right person to take you from zero to five. Right. Like that's a totally different person, you know, unless they've gone from zero to five or five to 10 or 10 to 50, like those are very different people that have very different skill sets. You know, somebody who can take you zero to five is a much scrappier person and knows how to, you know, implement those little things like you mentioned that can go a long way for a company at that stage. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for better, for worse, I was just thinking about this the other day. I realized I've gotten really good at helping people go from like <laughs> zero to one or, or, or you know, 500,000 to 2 million, you know, one higher to 10. And it's just hard work uh, starting from scratch. It, it really is. But but I agree with you 100%. And um, I've gotten pretty good at that. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Quotalist. What is it? What's, what's the reason behind it? 
you know, uh, give me give me all the goods, help people understand and where they can learn more about it as well. Yeah, so Quotaless is an evolution of my own podcast and newsletter, uh, formerly called Student of Intention. And, you know, that podcast and newsletter was sort of bore out of my own awakening, for lack of a better word. Um, and, and that awakening has just led to this focus um, and this just almost this zest, this obsession mm-hmm. with living with intention, with figuring out like, why out of the billions of people in the world, some people just seem to live exactly how they want and others just dream about it. And now I've just brought that into the focus of the sales community because I think the sales community on one hand could really, really use help figuring out how how to live a sustainable sales life and feel good about their work while they're making money. And B, um, they're most primed to do it. it. You know, sales could be the most, it, it sort of lends itself to the most flexible work-life balance because if, if you get the numbers there, you're good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it from anywhere. We have all these different sales tools, et cetera, right? People in sales should be living really, really awesome lives and they're just not. And mm. um, and, I, and I've been one of those people for a long time. You know, I, yeah. you know, I think... I didn't really explain why I quit my job the day before I got married or the day I got married, but, um, oh, I can only imagine yeah. running at both ends. Right. I mean, which yeah. is typical and especially in a fast paced, you know, SAS, it's growing like crazy and you know, it's hard, you know, salespeople and I've experienced this even firsthand. It's very common to, you know, attach your self-worth to your number, right. And you're only as good as last month's number, last quarter's number. And so, you know, it naturally, most salespeople um, are workaholics and don't get to enjoy life as much uh, because they're obsessed with their work. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to work on that problem. It's a big problem too. You know, I think we've all heard the different stats out there that like 60 or 70% of sellers aren't hitting quota, right? Um, you know, the burnout rates, you hear all the stories, et cetera. So you know, part of me is, is, is really just invested in trying to tackle that big vision, that big problem. And today I'm starting with what I already have sort of mm, groomed, which is a podcast, a newsletter. And, um, I'm also doing some in-person workshops, uh, with teams. So that's, that's, that's kind of the evolution of Quotalist and it's, it's officially launching next week. So thank you for nice. <laughs> I'm excited, man. Uh, I know I've, you know, we've had a few conversations behind the scenes a little bit. So I'm, I'm very excited to start, you know, seeing, uh, seeing this happening for you. Um, I know that you're going to be doing some awesome work and helping folks. Where can they learn more? Quotalist.io. Um, just go there, follow me on LinkedIn, Bobby Dysart. Uh, but you go to Quotalist.io, please subscribe to the newsletter. It's going to come out weekly on Tuesdays. It's totally free. Um, I've been writing my other newsletter for almost a year and a half now, and I've learned a lot, I promise. I'm going to pack a ton of value, keep yeah. it concise, succinct, um, good stories and good things to help you you know, build confidence, sell more, and get your time back. Get a little bit more freedom and autonomy. Awesome, man. I love it. We'll drop the links for everybody there in the show notes. Bobby, thanks for coming on. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review. Share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And as always, I'm listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm, drop me a voice DM, and I will get back to you. 
Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.